0: Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming up. We're going to do a little hand raising today to answer some questions to get started. Ready? Raise your hand if you think your body needs rest. I'm tired tired too. (laughs) Now, raise your hand if you have a bedtime. Now, raise your hand if you think I have a bedtime. I do not have a bedtime. Yeah. You see, one of the things that we want to talk about today is the difference between being a child and a grown up. Do we all need rest? Yeah. yeah, even if we're grown ups, right? We need rest. But sometimes, even though kids need rest, kids don't want to rest. Right? Take a nap. Take a nap. Go to bed. Right? That's what parents say to kids because you need rest and sometimes parents need to tell kids, you need to sleep right now. But there's really nobody telling us grown-ups when to go to bed. We can go to bed whenever we want, but there's a problem. If we stay up too late and have to get up early and we do that a lot, what happens? The same thing that happens to you. We get crabby and we get grumpy and we say things we don't mean and we don't work as well when we go to work and we don't think as well, we need rest too. The difference between grown-ups and kids is that kids are told when to rest and grown-ups are not told when to rest. They're free to rest whenever they want, but they still need to rest. This is the difference between the third commandment in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God treated his people like spiritual children. He told them when to rest. He told them how to rest, physically and spiritually. There was a day of the week called the Sabbath day. It's kind of like our Saturday. It was a Sabbath day where every single week, God's people were forbidden from doing any work. They had to rest the whole day. And most importantly, that was the day they went to church. That was the day they would spend time in God's word to rest spiritually. But what did God do? He said, it's time to rest. Rest. Every week. Same time. Same day. Now, God still commands us to rest, but he treats us like spiritual adults. You could come to church on Thursday night, like some people did this week. You could come to church on Sunday morning, like you guys did today. You could come to church from home, like the people on the camera who are at home. There's a lot of different ways that you could come to church. There's a lot of different ways that you could rest physically. There's a lot of different ways that you can rest spiritually. You could do it different times, you could do it different days. But one thing that hasn't changed we still need to rest. We still need to spend time in God's word, and our bodies need time to rest physically too, but God doesn't tell us exactly when or where or how to do it. Today we're going to talk about the Sabbath day. Sabbath is the Hebrew word for rest. It's the Hebrew word for rest. We're going to talk about why God wants us to rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have chosen to treat us like spiritual adults. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes we don't rest when we, when we need to rest. We get tired and, and crabby. That can happen to us spiritually too. Sometimes we neglect your word. We, we don't spend time in your word like we ought to. We don't get the spiritual wor- rest that we need. Forgive us for these sins. We ask that you would help us to, 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 to see the rest that you command as a blessing for us to spend lots of time resting in your word each and every week where you point us to our Savior Jesus, who gives us eternal rest. In his name we pray. Amen. The portion of God's word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, He was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? They had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, "'Give this man your seat.'" Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you've read through Exodus chapter 20 lately where God gives the Ten Commandments to his people on Mount Sinai, you may have noticed that the commandments we memorize are often just the the main command. There's often commentary that God makes on some of these commandments that's not um, maybe quick to to the memory. And there's quite a bit of that with this third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. God has quite a bit to say. And, And I wanted to begin just by reading you all that God says in Exodus chapter 20 about... This Sabbath command. He says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the sab- the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That last line's important. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God does not need us to keep it holy um, as if it needs our help. It's holy on its own, right? God made the Sabbath day holy as a day of rest for his people. Holy literally means set apart for a sacred purpose. So God's the one who set it apart for a a sacred purpose. But then God has commanded us, remember the Sabbath day, by keeping it set apart for a sacred purpose. And Martin Luther, in his large catechism, has some interesting comments on what it means to keep the Sabbath day holy. He says, It is nothing else than to be occupied with holy words, works, and life. For the day needs no sanctification for itself. It has been created holy in itself, but God desires the day to be holy to you. Therefore, it becomes holy or unholy because of you. Whether you are occupied on that day with things that are holy or Unholy. So there's this idea that God would have us focus on holy things, or the holy thing, on the Sabbath day. Of course, the holy thing is his word. God's word is the treasure that sanctifies everything. Whenever God's word is taught, preached, heard, read, or meditated upon, then the person, the day, and the work are sanctified. This is not because of the outward work, but because of the word, which makes saints of us all. I'm going to read that last line one more time. It is not because of the outward work, but because of the word, which makes saints of us all. I think we tend to think of our time in God's word as what's happening right now, what's happening before or after worship in Bible class or family Sunday school, personal devotional time. We, we think of that as time in God's word. But did you notice that Martin Luther said, it's taught, preached, heard, read, or meditated upon. If you are considering what God says in his word about your sin and about his promises fulfilled in Jesus while you're at work. If you're just thinking about it, you are pondering the holy thing, the word of God. And even in the middle of your work day, you could find Sabbath. You see, Sabbath is when we are in God's word, when we are resting in God's word. That's the true sense of Of Sabbath. Is physical rest important? Yes. If you work every day for seven days and then you do it again every day for seven days, you are going to become worn out physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. But the key focus to this command? Time in the Word. Taught, preached, heard, read, and even meditated on. So the scene is set. On the Sabbath day, and in front of Jesus is a man with dropsy. Um, Generally, in our context, it's referred to as edema, swelling of the extremities, generally a pooling of the blood in the extremities. It can be an awful, awful disease. Um, It's one that's not treated easily and very rarely ever reversed. This man is before Jesus, and it's the Sabbath, Jesus is at the house of a prominent Pharisee and he turns to the Pharisee and he asks the simple question Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Silence. I imagine a frustrated look on Jesus' face as he takes hold of the man and heals him. Jesus answers the question with his actions Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Yeah. Then he asks another another question, more of a, a statement followed by a question. If one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? It's a question that expects a yes answer, of course. Are you not glad that God does not base his love for you on the time you spend in his word? Are you not glad? Can you imagine if someone who needs you Maybe it's a child, a spouse, a friend, a relative. Someone needs you and they called you this morning in a panic at 8.20. You're about to leave for church. They call you in a panic. I need you now. What would you do? I'm so sorry. I I have church at 9. I must be there. I could come after. No, I need you now do you not go and help them? If God based his love for you on your church attendance, maybe you would think twice about whether or not you go help that person who needs you. But God does not base his love for you based on your church attendance, nor has he ever. That's the point of Jesus' question expecting an of course answer. If your son falls into a hole on the Sabbath, are you going to say, sorry, it's the Sabbath. You're going to have to rot down there till tomorrow morning. Then I'll come and get you. No, you're going to pull him out. And you would do the same thing. If someone needed you right before church, you would go and help them. And you would spend time in God's word later. This is why it is such good news That God does not love us based on our obedience. He loves us because He's gracious. Something else to consider my devotional life has been non existent, my church attendance has fallen into an unhealthy pattern. The way you interact with God's Word is going to result either in arrogance or humility. My devotional life is non-existent. Well, what's the opposite? My devotional life is great. I've been the Word of God all the time. My church attendance has been a little lax lately. What's the opposite? Oh, well, my church attendance is great. I'm at church every. Week. If you notice an area for growth, a need for growth in your devotional life or in your worship attendance, whether it's here in person or online or both, might you not become arrogant as though you were the solution if you turn it around? You see, our interaction with God's Word has nothing to do with our performance. Nothing. When we interact with the word of God, whether it be on our own or in public worship or in Bible class, whether it's being taught, preached, read, heard, or meditated upon, it has nothing to do with what we're doing or how well we're doing it or how often we're doing it. It has everything to do with what God is doing through it. It's always about God's performance, never about yours, never about mine. And that's the point of the parable. At first, it might not seem like this parable has anything to do with the questions Jesus asks that result in silence. But it does. It has everything to do with the situation there. Why were the Pharisees silent when Jesus asked them these questions? Why did they have nothing to say? Because the law was their only hope They made God's laws so small that they seemed attainable to them. And the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not, took them to a new place where they began to question the way they viewed the Sabbath day. They thought that by not working on the Sabbath and by going to worship on the Sabbath, they were doing what God commanded. He loved them and they would be okay. But Jesus challenges that. And this parable about humility is is key. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the difference between a person who thinks they were invited to the party because they're so great, and the, and the person hosting the party just wants to have them there because they're the life of the party. And the person who receives the invitation and can't believe they were invited to the party. I, I can't believe this person invited me. I, I have no idea why they would invite me. What, a, what an honor. The person who thinks very highly of themselves will be humiliated when told to move down to a lesser seat and the person who thinks nothing of themselves will be honored in in front of all. Sabbath humbles and that's a good thing. As Christians, we often fall into the temptation to think that we need to faith harder. We need to be Christians harder. Harder. We need to pray harder. We need to do better. We need to be in the word better. <laughs> and that's all backwards. That's a lot of work. And it's going to result in you being very, very tired. And it's, be res- and it's not going to result in you being praised by God. Because when we focus on our lives that way, we fail over and over and over again. Sabbath is about taking a rest from all that. And God does the work. God comes to you in His Word, and He points you to the humble one His own Son. The Creator of the universe, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, was born so humble that He was completely reliant on His mother, a sinful woman the creator of the universe, in Mary's arms, completely helpless. You want to talk about humility. That the Lord of creation would be born and held in the arms of one of his creation and completely reliant on her for all of his physical needs. He was raised by that woman, a sinner, just like you and me. He lived humbly every single day of his life, completely reliant on his heavenly father for everything that he needed, physically, spiritually, completely reliant on his God flawlessly every single day of his life until he humbled himself to death. He humbled himself on a cross, dying a death he did not deserve. The ultimate injustice, the righteous one, For unrighteous sinners like you and me. For unrighteous lawbreakers like you and me. For the arrogant, for the exalted. Jesus humbled himself. And that news is humbling. It reminds us that we can't be what God wants us to be. It humbles us and leads us to rely only on the God who saves To rely on his precious word every single day, to allow his work through his word to give us the rest that we need, and to stop focusing on what we're doing as if it has anything to do with God's love for us. It doesn't. So, why Sabbath? Because you need it. (laughs) Why Sabbath? Because it's how God gives you rest. It's how God blesses you with the rest that you and I need. Our time in God's Word has nothing to do with the love that God shows to us. He loves us because He is gracious. And yet, in that time, as we hear God's precious saving truths that point us to the humble one, to Jesus Himself, we are humbled so that one day in God's eternal wedding banquet, we will be exalted. The sons and daughters of God himself, brothers and sisters of Christ, we will be honored. And again, God is the reason we are that way. Brothers and sisters, Lord's blessings to you in the week ahead as you continue to Sabbath, week after week after week, as you spend time in the one holy thing, the thing that sanctifies all things, as you listen to God's word, as you hear it taught and and preached, as you read it, and as you meditate upon it. May God give you the rest that he promises. Amen.